One of the biggest things I've seen through is realizing it's all as simple as finding the parking space. Like choosing the right job, deciding on a life partner, anything big or something to do with your health. It's all as simple as finding the parking space. We just put more on it than we need to. I'm Al Kenny, and along with my co-host Mark Bilby, this is the Live Into Your Brilliance podcast. The place where we shine a light on the truth of the human condition and blow up the illusions that get in our way. Brother, we've got a special guest with us today in the form of Christy Halverson. Christy has been a friend and has been my coach for the last number of years. She is one of the coolest people I know and who has so many insights around this idea of the best news we've ever heard. I will let Christy tell her story. I think a part of what makes Christy such a, a wonderful person to have, not only in this show, but to know is she is a, would call herself a nomadic world traveler. And I'll let her explain how she codywumples her way around North America and the world. She's a coach, author, speaker, former firefighter, um, an all round great person. So Christy, really big welcome to our little podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to see where we go. I'm excited to be here. So thanks a lot. So are we. So are we. Well, um, where we would love to start, we've kind of got two things that we're intent on doing in this conversation. Myself and Billows have been having this kind of over and back between ourselves every week. We talked in our last episode about the best news we ever heard. And we want to share that with as many people as we can. And then the second thing we wanted to look at is, you know, what are some of the illusions that um, we've seen or have blown up um, that we want to kind of bring onto the table. So I'd love to for you to maybe just share a little bit about your story, how you came across this best news that we've ever heard, how you describe it, and we'll kind of riff off from there if that's okay. Yeah. After kind of getting to this realm of coaching and talking about all this cool stuff, which we're referring to as the best news news we've ever heard. Um, before that, I was just a regular old person. In fact, I was an engineer and um, I wasn't too into spirituality or self-improvement or any of that. So what's fun is I kind of came in blind and kind of by accident. And I had really no reason. I wasn't really looking for much. But what happened was like the how I, find, I found this understanding was um, a friend of mine, told me about a book. And I wasn't a really big reader either. And he was just like, hey, I read this book. I think you should check it out. And it was The Inside Out Revolution by Michael Neal. And um, he told me about the book. And I kind of, it's one of those things somebody tells you about a book and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at some point later on, I bought it on Kindle. And I went back years later and checked like the date I bought it. And a lot of stuff happened really quickly after that. But I bought it on Kindle and uh, someone that doesn't read much, I read the book over a weekend. And so I read on a Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday morning, this was all back in summer, late summer of 16. Monday morning, I had a, a coaching client and um, something popped in, in the call with my client. And I realized that I had been living in my own lives, <laughs> my own made up stuff for most of my life. And, uh, my client, funny enough, was like professing her her love for me and telling me how much her family had loved me. And I'd lived most of my life thinking that I was unlovable since I was a kid. I just had some stuff happen in my childhood. And I'd made a promise, which I kind of forgot about when I was really young, that I'd never say I love you and never love anyone. And kind of a byproduct of that, which I hadn't realized, was I, 
I really didn't think I was lovable. And so I read The Inside Out Revolution and started seeing through thought and thinking. And then here I have this client the next day professing her love. And then on top of that, which I thought was, I was like, come on, come on, stop, stop BSing me, stop, <laughs> stop brown nosing, whatever. I didn't believe her. And then she started saying how much she could tell I loved her and her family. And I was thinking, I don't love anybody. What are you talking about? I mean, I care about people. I want to help people, but I don't love people. And suddenly it all hit that it was all made up. That I actually did love people and that people actually did love me. And I'd been, I'd been living in this illusion for whatever, you know, two decades or more. And um, I got off the call and my heart was racing. Like my, my watch was saying my heart was sustained at like 120 and I'm sitting in my office and I was going through fits of like, doing the most work I could ever imagine, just like getting stuff done and then just crying. And, and I, and I called my coach at the time. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And, and, um, he kind of, he, he, he wasn't familiar with this understanding. I don't think so much, but he knew something big had happened. And, um, so that was the beginning. And my, my whole life was different after that. And again, and we realized it was, a, I read the book Saturday, Sunday, and this was a Monday. And, um, Later on, I ended up working uh, for Michael Neal years later. And so I, I wanted to go back and see how, when all this happened. And I looked and I subscribed to his emailing list in November. So it literally took me, and the, this reading the book and everything happened in August. So it took me a few months to even like look into what all this stuff was. Um, but you know, no, November, December of 16 is when I was like, there's something going on here. I want to I see more. And so I, I started dabbling. And, you know, reading more, taking a few classes, uh, you know, going deeper into this understanding. And um, November of 17, a year after that is when I hit the road and became the, quote, nomadic world traveler, quit my job, sold all my stuff. And I tell people it's like I went on a walkabout, uh, like they're aboriginals, but kind of a modern day walkabout. And I didn't know I was sending myself on a walkabout. I just thought I was going on a really cool adventure. But I had like a fledgling's knowledge in this stuff. And I took that on the road with me. And that was the big experiment. Can I live by wisdom, by following my heart and nothing else? Can I not know where I'm going to live or sleep tonight or tomorrow or next week and just wait until I know, like follow my nose in everything? And so it kind of feels like the life kind of got to take hold of me. And through experience, I saw so much in the, especially that next year, but in the next few years, and I'm still seeing more and more through this lifestyle. So in a nutshell, that's, that's how I fell into this. And that's what happened. And, and yeah. That's amazing. What I'm really curious between, uh, did you say it was August? Was it August and November? Yeah. You know, when you first had that experience, what happened in those couple of months? Was it, did it did it kind of take time to settle in? How would you describe what what was going on kind of immediately after kind of seeing that you, as you said, you were living in living in your lives? It's it's hard for me to remember, but I I remember it being really nice. <laughs> I mean, there was just a lightness to me, and I'm not even sure if other people even noticed the change so much. But there was a real lightness for me there. And I remember just being really super curious, you know, like, and I literally had not said the word love in more than two decades. You know, like, I didn't say I love you. I didn't even say I love your sweater. Like, I didn't say love was not part of my vocabulary. 
and I don't remember specifically, but I but sometime I don't even know if it happened within those couple months, but I like started started trying to say it more or at all and started trying to I remember trying to reflect love back on myself. Like that was a part of it too. There was so much that I didn't even know I was doing. Like I didn't know I thought I was unlovable. I kind of forgot about the promise I had made not to love people. And I remember at one point, I don't even know why, but I remember feeling love. I can't remember what for, it was someone else or something. And then almost like taking it and reflecting it back, like throwing it back on myself and like feeling that love for me. And it was just like mind blowing. So it was like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's hard to remember the whole thing. But I know in those couple of months, I was just kind of playing, you know, like, I think it was almost like my engineering part got a hold of me too. Like I was experimenting with stuff, you know, like just playing with how things felt and how how to be different. But yeah, it, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like out there trying to figure anything out. It was just kind of like, I was like almost like a little kid in a sandbox, just kind of playing with this new thing I found. And that was pretty much all there was to it. And I think the really big stuff started happening later on, you know, for then. That's why I didn't even, I, I didn't even know who Michael Neal, the author of the book. That's how I found it. It was like, I picked up the book one day, a few months later. And I was like, who is this guy? And I Googled his name, you know, like it wasn't a big deal, but it was a big deal. That was the feeling I had. And Christy, did, did you, I mean, you were still working when this was all going on initially and did, did like folks at work comment on on any change or, or did you feel that you were behaving differently with the folks at work? Yeah, I felt it was different. And I know in the long term, there was, there was a big difference. Um, but I felt, because I was a paramedic firefighter and I was actually a station officer. So I was in charge of a bunch of guys in the fire trucks and at my station. And so I was in charge of everything that happened. And I wore, I wore a big cloak of responsibility. In fact, that's one of the things that I saw through when you're like the big illusions, because, you know, we, we go to work for 24 hours. So I, you know, at seven 30 in the morning, I'd get to work and we went on duty at eight and at eight o'clock, I literally felt like this, this cloak of responsibility sat on my shoulders because we had this big area of the city, you know, the, our whole zone that we're responsible for. And it was as if anything that went wrong in that zone for those 24 hours like it was on it was christie's responsibility (laughs) like it was all on my shoulders like no matter what happened health emergency forest fire car accident (laughs) you name it but i didn't even realize it until until like i started you know dabbling in this this newfound ideas that i had but i remember how there was one point where i started seeing through that it was, I was responsible for all these people and buildings and, you know, forests in my, in my jurisdiction that, that, yeah. And and that I could perform better. That was a big part of it. Cause I realized how nervous I would get because, you know, if I'm responsible for all these lives and then, you know, one of these lives is looks to be going down the drain and I show up and I've got that cloak of responsibility. That's like so much harder to perform at my best. And so I noticed how myself and how more, much more ease I got. And I remember this one call of a, there was a lady that really needed to go to the hospital, but didn't want to. And we get that a lot as paramedics. And, and, and we normally the police are there and we kind of strong arm them into going, like we play good cop, bad cop. 
And I remember the first time ever, I just saw this woman so differently. I saw how scared she was. She was being belligerent. And normally we just kind of strong arm her to go to the hospital. But I really saw how scared she was and saw the whole situation differently. And I just sat and talked with her and like gave her gave her the opportunity to choose what she wanted and like talk to her really sweetly and kindly saying, hey, here are your options. And here's what's going to happen with this option. Here's what's going to happen with that, this option. But hey, it's your choice, whatever you want. And the lady just got up and walked to the ambulance. And I remember my crew was like, why did you say that lady? Because that doesn't happen when somebody's that pissed off and doesn't want to go to the hospital. They don't get to get up and walk to the ambulance, you know, and get in when, under their own power and like actually want to go. And I was like, wow. Like, I mean, I'll share when we get back to the station. I don't know what happened, but I kind of told her she was free to do what she wanted. I gave her options and she picked to go to the ambulance. And they were like, even the cops there, I remember were like, what did you say to that woman? You know, like, <laughs> because I kind of started seeing how, you know, like seeing through everyone's illusions, you know, seeing how, like when someone's got their, their heels in the sand and don't want to do something, like they're just as scared as anybody. You know, like there's more to it. So yeah, it really affected my work. And and honestly, I I wasn't having a great time at work. I once I got promoted, like I was I was I was in a uh, fire department where it was kind of a good old boy fire department, and everybody loved me as the kid sister. But then once the kid sister, we call them bugles when you get the rank, and now you're in charge. A lot of the guys didn't appreciate that. <laughs> And I had a really tough time for many, many years. And those last couple years after I had seen and knew what I see and know now, I just got so much easier. Like I literally left the fire department, like wondering if I was making the right decision. Whereas years earlier, I couldn't wait to run away. And I, I fell back in love with my job and the guys at work, like we all fell back in love with each other. It was, it was incredible. Those last couple years were incredible. And it was all because I, I really, truly believe all because of, seeing through all this made up stuff that was just made up. Is that how you would describe it? You know, if, if, um, if someone said to you, Christy, what is the, just listening to that, like if, what is, how do you say the best news you ever heard? What, what, how would you sum it up? Just cause I'm kind of curious to hear that in your words. <sighs> it's hard to sum up. <laughs> like that's one of those things like we can sit for hours, but And it, it changes. Like, I feel like right now, like if I would have answered that question years ago, it'd be different. But right now, I, one of the big parts of it for me is realizing how I'm not in control. And there's so much freedom. Like there's ultimate freedom in knowing I'm not in control. And it sounds funny. In fact, sometimes I get the giggles when I try to explain it. But like, yeah, I'm not in control. I don't need to control my situation. I don't need to control anyone else's. And there's something special when I can see through and like just deal with the facts, the tr deal with the truth and not all the made up stuff that we make up about everything in life. You know, like, like for example, say your, say your partner doesn't do the laundry, you know, and you can say, well, my partner doesn't love me or they're a jerk or our children are going to be horrible humans because of the example my partner is giving because they don't do the laundry. Like, oh, that's made up. Everything's made up. It's just plain and simple. The laundry didn't get done. That's it. 
But we do that about everything. We do that about so much in life. And it's just letting go of all the made up stuff that we don't know is true and living in just what's here right now and realizing the one of the biggest things for me is realizing that everything is part of the perfect unfolding. Like even when things don't seem perfect. That's a cool phrase, the perfect unfolding. I think it's one of the coolest. That's that's what will go on my bumper sticker. <laughs> Love it. It's like, yep, even, even this is the perfect unfolding. Like no matter what, you know, yep, even this is part of the perfect unfolding. Because like, uh, like a lot of times life doesn't seem perfect. Like if you just choose like, oh, you know, whatever, I lost my job, I'm sick or my family member is sick or there's death and destruction in the world or somebody abuses their kids. Nobody would say, oh, that's perfect. I mean, you would get slapped. You know, that's not perfect. But if we can back up just a tiny bit or even a lot and, and if we could see the whole picture, we could just kind of go, ah, yeah, yeah. It might not seem perfect right now, but it is a part of the perfect unfolding. It just feels, it makes life so different then. We can just kind of roll with the punches and just be like, I don't know why this is happening, but even this is part of the perfect unfolding. I was really taken by when you said kind of this idea of giving up control or seeing that you're not in control. Is that is that because to your mind that everything's unfolding exactly as it's going to do and you're 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 going with the unfolding versus trying to wrestle with it and trying to, you know, maneuver it. I, I, I just, I would love to hear how those two things tie together, if they do tie together, how I'm hearing you to say it. Yeah, no, good catch. That was a really good catch, because, yeah. So, I it, I think it'd be, it would be fun when you were talking. I was like, thought of the metaphor. So start with that, and then we'll talk about it, is... You know, a lot of people say, oh, just go with the flow. And I imagine like going with the flow is like being a leaf in the river or being on a kayak and like instead of paddling upstream against the flow, you kind of paddle with stream. And that's that's how I used to see it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going with the flow. But but th- what I'm talking about, it's more of like what like we are the flow. Like we are, we're not a leaf riding the currents of the river or, and we're not on a kayak paddling with the river. We're, we're the water, we're the river itself. And, and there's a, there's a part of that. Like I, I saw this once when I was visiting, um, one of the national parks with a big waterfall. I've been to so many, get them mixed up. I think it was Yosemite. There was a massive waterfall. And I remember, like, I remember imagining, like, going over the edge, like they used to in the old days in a barrel or even as a human, like, you would die. Like, it, it would be scary to come up to that waterfall and, and think of tumbling over. But if I realize I'm the water and water can't be hurt, like, like I would be hooting and hollering and like, oh, I can't wait to go over this waterfall. Like, it would be so much fun, you know? And that's how I kind of feel. And this this is a deeper conversation because most people are like, yeah, but you're not a drop of water. You're a human and you can get hurt if you fall off a waterfall. I'm like, yeah, of course, that's true. But there's part of me that can't get hurt. Like the essence of who I am can't be hurt. And one other thing that came, I feel like this is a roundabout description, but one other thing that came from this is like not no longer living in any kind of fear. And the freedom that gives us to live if we don't have fear. 
or worry or whatever you want to call it. Because like, I'm, I'm not even afraid of dying anymore. Like, I'm not going to volunteer to get eaten by a bear or fall off a cliff. Like, I'm not going to just go run out and try to do that. Of course, I would try to live. But like, I'm to the point to where I'm like, man, if if this life ends tomorrow or in a week or in a year, like, I'm okay, man. Like, like really, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I've got more than I ever could have bargained for already. And, and yeah, I have no idea what happens after we die. You know, that's a big question that people have been asking for millennia. And it's kind of cool that there's this big secret and we don't, none of us get <laughs> yeah. to know for real. You know, we can hear stories of people that have happened in there, but we don't, none of us have the answer. Who knows what's going to happen? So I'm not going to make up that I know, but I really have this feeling deep inside that there's this part of me that can't even be hurt by death, you know? So like, if I can't be hurt by death, I can't be hurt by some bad news at work, you know? And, um, and I'm not in control. I get to be, I get to just live life. And it's kind of like the firefighter example. When I was really nervous and thought I was had was responsible for everything that happened in my zone, like like work and life was stressful. And I didn't get to perform at my best because I was thinking so much about everything that could go wrong and how good I wanted to be. And when I can just let go and be like, man, I can just live and I can just follow the tickles of my soul. And like, it's so much simpler and easier. And actually I get a lot more done too, you know? And... I have permission to relax and do nothing when I feel like it because that's the part of the perfect unfolding too. Like, there's just so much freedom in in knowing I'm a part, I am a part of the river. I am the flow. And I can do inside that, but it's more about who I'm being and how I'm being. Does that make, does that kind of answer your question in a weird way? Yeah, very much so. Because you you were about to ask you were about to say something before I interrupted you. Yeah, I, I I'm just intrigued, you know, um, and it's it's something that I am sort of uh, constantly catching myself out on, which is which in a good way, like a but but this this idea of kind of being aware and doing the observing from what I call like the lazy boy of your consciousness. So like you, you just, you're in, when you, when I'm in the flow, like I'm sitting in that lazy boy and I, I just feel it. I just feel part of everything. And, and you, you're able to catch yourself almost immediately. Um, when you, when you start to latch onto the wrong type of thinking or you, you get caught up in, in, uh, all, all sorts of illusions. But I was just wondering like what led to the nomadic lifestyle? Like what, where were you? Were, like, were you in the lazy boy one evening and you just suddenly thought, damn, I'm going to hit the road. Like I'm, I'm done with this. EMT nonsense, I'm hitting the road. What 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 happened? Well, you know, that's why I say it's all part of the perfect unfolding, because this idea popped up. Well, I always had this idea as a firefighter, because your work is so hard and so dangerous. Uh, you get to retire really early with a really good pension. And um, so I knew when I turned 52, I could retire with a six-figure pension. Like, that was a given. And like, of course, this was my dream. Like, yeah, when I turn 52, I'm going to say sayonara and uh, just travel and see the world. And um, and then work started getting hard. Like when I, like I said, when I first got promoted, 
there was like harassment and stuff happened. And I was just like, this isn't fun anymore. And, and then the coaching thing, I don't even know where that came from. I mean, I'm an engineer firefighter. I'm not into like talking about feelings and crap, you know? So, so like a lot of people are like, how did you fall into this? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I didn't even know what a coach did. It was the weirdest thing. I had no idea what a coach did and I knew I wanted to be one. And, um, I actually hired, I had a friend that had a, a life coach. I said, can I hire your guy? I just, I'm, I'm going to school to be one, but I kind of want to feel what it's like to be the client before I go to school and learn about it. And so it's just this one of those weird things. I, I really just, my whole life, I've just followed these weird nudges and that's how the coaching thing came in. And so I'd gone and got my training in coaching and I was still a full-time firefighter, pretty much just doing this for fun. And then I got sick. I had an exposure and got a really bad autoimmune. And then I totally screwed up my knee and had to be on desk duty for nine months. And I was just like, this job is trying to kill me. And I don't know if I'm going to be around at 52 or if I'm going to be able to have fun by then. I'd rather just do it now. And all of a sudden it all came, like all the puzzle pieces were like floating and they all just settled. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this coaching thing. I could do that. Like I could leave early. Yeah, I won't have a pension, but I could afford things for myself. And like, it all just came together. And so in 2015 is when that happened. And I made a five-year plan and and drew, and drew literally the post-it notes and columns of everything that had to get done and timelines. It was like an engineering graph of my life for the next five years. And I knew by the end of 2020, I was going to be on the road. That's just what was going to happen. And then, you know, what happened in 2016 and 17. And, and by that point, I stopped looking at the map. And then some really big things happened in my life in 2017. And I just hit the road. Like, it all happened within two months' time. And what was nice is because the parts of the puzzle had been falling into place. But it happened three years before I thought it would. And it literally was something I thought would happen in the future in August of 2017. And by November of 17, I'd sold everything I owned and was on the road solo. And that was never anything I would have planned. It just, it just happened. It, it showed me how even all that, the really tough times at work and the really awful stuff that I, I would have, if I had another career or another choice, I would have woven, I would have wove the white flag and went on, but I kind of had to stick through it. And as hard as that was, and as that was one of the tougher times I've ever had in life, like that was part of the perfect unfolding. That had to happen for me to sit here and talk to you right now, you know? So, but yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. Elle and I talk about this a lot, you know, it's, it's just taking that first step from that place of awareness, following that first insight, and that's all you have to do. And then when you're there, take the next step. And don't get lost in the thinking of it. If you're going to get lost in anything, get lost in the feeling of it. Um, but don't get lost in the thinking of it. Just take the next step. And it's, uh, yeah, it's truly amazing. I mean, the, the acceleration of from learning what you learned or having that understanding to where you got to months later is is pretty remarkable. I mean, that's got to be one of the greatest examples of somebody just going, this feels right, and I'm just taking one step. Exactly. And, and to me, a big part of that is like, 
we've been taught we know to, to like plan our steps like I did. I have pictures of this plan I had. It literally took the whole wall. It was like six feet tall and I don't know how far across and just a humongous engineering timeline of my life. And I, and I remember the very first, one of the very first things that came out of order was my big humongous truck. I have this massive truck that probably wouldn't be able to fit down a road in the UK. And I knew I was going to buy this truck in like the early 2020 was my plan, you know, and, and the, the, tr- the truck dropped into my life and not long after I read the book and all that, it was like September, October of September of 16, it fell into my life. And I was just like, no, on the timeline, that's three years <laughs> from now, you know, like, no, this is not right. But it was too good to be true. I literally bought a one-way ticket to Cleveland, if you know where Cleveland is in the U.S. from South Florida. It's a long ways. And my truck was in Cleveland. It was the exact truck I would have bought. I bought a one-way ticket to, Cle- one-way ticket to Cleveland. And the day before I was supposed to fly out, I was just like, what am I thinking? This is stupid. And thankfully, I had a coach at the time. I called him and I was like, am I nuts? What am I going to do? I don't even know where I'm going to park this thing. And I'm not going to leave for two years. Why am I buying this stupid truck now? But it was all my thinking about it. Like my heart knew fly to Cleveland and buy the truck. That's why I bought the ticket. You know, like I'll figure the rest out later. But then my brain is like, are you stupid? Like, what What are you a farmer? Do you need a truck that big right now? No. Like, what are you doing? You know, this is three years too early. You know, like, where are you going to park the thing when you're going to your business meetings? Like that, my brain was doing that. But it's just proof that... Like we've got to let go of the idea of, that we've been taught our whole lives that you like you make a goal and then you plan the steps because life is going to surprise us. Like it's beyond our grasp. It's it's beyond anything we can imagine. You know, like like that truck arriving the way it did for the price it did and the perfect the perfect way it did. It was beyond my imagination that something like that could happen. But life was like, oh no, like life's tapping me on the shoulder. Like, no, no, you just thought you knew the next steps. I just thought that was 30 steps down the road. And life's like laughing at me saying, no, the truck's here. What's wrong with you? Go get it. And so I did. Like, I'm so glad I didn't cancel that flight. That was the first step that was out of order that I was like, wow, you know, I can just listen to my heart in this way too. I love it. I think, um, you know, when you, well, yeah, I love that as well. When you say that, for me, it makes me, you know, because everyone, when they think about a goal or a dream, they love to put it. We all, we all have been raised that way. Put it out in front of you on a timeline as a place to get to. Whereas, like, for me, it's starting to become clear it's a place to come from, like a dream or a vision is it's alive in us. And, and I'm curious what you both think to this idea but it's almost to me like when we give up on resisting it, it, to me that when we when we give up on either resisting it or give up on the idea that it's ours to make happen, the moment we do that, it, like the, if you want to call it, the universe comes into play. It's like the universe is like, oh, okay, you've given up resisting, so that's good. Now we can, we can if there's a we, we can work our magic. And it just seems uncanny how often that happens. And yet, like maybe that's the one of the biggest illusions and one of the toughest ones to give up on is this idea of you've got to know before you go. Like it's it's up to you to figure it out versus being able to say, oh, I don't have to do that. Like I can be excited about anything. 
And if I move to do something, I can I can go in that direction and see where it leads. Um, but that, you know, that's, um, yeah, I'm curious. What, I, I've got a second part of that, but I'm really curious what you what you both think of this idea of we, it's the bit we've got to do is actually stop resisting, like stop, almost stop trying to figure it out and allow our dreams or our whatever is alive in us just to come through. Um, and and that's it. I don't know. That's that's kind of how I'm seeing it at the minute. So I'm curious what you, either of you, would say to that. Well, I just I'm just going to riff off of what you said right at the beginning. Is because I feel the same way. I get like super excited, and I'm not even a nomad. Like you know, I, I might be a nomad one day and cruising around in my camper van or my airstream, but but I. I when you stop resisting and you you just go with that flow life becomes exciting like it becomes one miracle one amazing insight after the other and 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 it becomes like the for, for certainly what I've experienced is this constant sense of gratitude because it is like like wonderment happens and so, you know, f- f- the more you trust it and the more you just go with it, the more exciting it becomes. And then everything else takes care of itself. Like, you know, what Christy said, you know, it really resonated with me. It's like you actually get more done. You get more done. You see more stuff. You, 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 your, your senses come alive. And um, it's... Yeah, it's it's I think that is the gateway, Al. I think that is the 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 one thing that the universe is just kind of sitting there waiting for you to do is just to stop resisting because as soon as you do, you fall forward into into wonderment. You know, one of my favorite sayings, I don't know if I say it out loud as much as just to myself is, "Oh, that's what's happening today." Yeah. You know, I guess there's just a freedom, you know, like, oh, that's what's happening today. And sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, like you said, like so much gratitude, like, oh, my gosh, this is what's happening. I could never even imagine this. And then sometimes we're like in the midst of the mud and we're just like, all right, this is what's happening today. You know, there's so many ways of inflecting that one saying, oh, this is what's happening today. There's curiosity. But it's that over and over again. And, um, you know, I have is this friend that works with horses a lot. She's out of Crested Butte, Colorado. And I got to visit her and her horses. And and she was just sharing with me, uh, actually a group we were in last week, about how horses, they don't understand resisting. Like, I'm so glad you brought that word up because it triggered her story. And, I, and I'm guessing animals are probably... Like I'm guessing all animals are that way. Like they don't, they just don't resist stuff. Like, you know, like you see a, a dog running around with three legs. It's not like, oh gosh, I'm a loser. I've got three legs. It's like just doing its thing with its missing leg, you know, like, but like a human, something happens to us, you know, like we break a nail. It's like the end of the day, but an animal just, or birds hopping around with one leg, you name it. Like animals just keep living until they can't. And she, and that wasn't part of her story. I had lived that part, but her story was about horses. And she's like, yeah, they don't understand resistance. Like it's, it's just something that they don't get. And so horses are so feeling oriented. Like they can feel like what we're thinking. They can, 
they can just they just get they're they're just a, miraculous beings that are on a on a, a, a level that we can't even imagine and she's like that's they can take anything if you're pissed off if you're scared it doesn't matter to them they're it's just feelings it's just emotions the horses are cool with it like they're attracted to that they're attracted to people living and feeling and being in whatever they're feeling but the one thing that they can't get and don't understand and that kind of almost I don't, she didn't use this word but it's kind of like repels them is resistance they don't they don't get it they're like what's wrong with these whatever they are you know humans like what's wrong with them because they don't understand because in 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 the horses being it's just like whatever's happening is happening and so she's like that's the one thing that will like repel a horse or have the horse all confused and not attracted to you is when you're resisting whatever you're feeling they'd rather you just feel it all the good bad ugly all of it you know like and i from what i gather in the horse's mind which to me is like one of the other things that would be nice to put on a bumper sticker is something around like it's all fine like we've got these labels on what's good and what's bad it's mm. just what's happening you know and that's how i heard her talking about the horse was they just don't they don't understand that about us humans how we can resist anything because it it's not even something that even remotely seems possible to a horse and i to me i think we have this gift of our minds like everything that's ever been invented it's because we have this gift but then the resistance is part of us misusing that gift you know like nobody else in the animal kingdom which we're a part of does that but us so what if we could be more like all the other animals and just be like oh that's what's happening today you know <laughs> I had such a good example of that this morning actually. I was on a I was on a my eight AM call on a Monday, which was this group of people that I absolutely love. They're really a great bunch. And then I was like, Yes, I've got this I've got this uh this gap. So I'm gonna go and make myself a coffee and I'm probably gonna go and sit outside in the sunshine because spring is coming. And then I got a text message saying Hey, uh, will you talk about slides 18, 19, and 20, and then 27, 28, and 29? And I'm like, what? And it was somebody going, yeah, we're meant to be on for like, we got this hour and a half thing starting in like two minutes. And instead of like resisting, I was like, yes, okay, let's go. <laughs> and I just dived in. And uh, and yeah, we had a 90-minute meeting this morning starting at 9 a.m. that I didn't know anything about. I thought it was later in the week. And uh, yeah, we, we did it. We had, uh, I don't know, 20-odd people on the call and we we told our story and the way we went and it was so cool i just i was like yep yeah, this is what's happening so let's go <laughs> small example but it it's it just makes for a completely different experience of it all you know yeah. and i could have got mad yeah. i could have i could oh, have you know like why wasn't i invited or i can't do this now or you know i'm too important to do this now or you know whatever illusion i wanted to cling to and uh when you when you don't resist you do blow up or just all the illusions blow up automatically it's just wonderful it's like you just see these things just going poof in front of you and uh 
and you just see clearly and you just have fun and you feel grateful and you feel connected and you listen on a deeper level and yeah, you just, it's, 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 it's enjoyable. I love the fact that you said there, Mark, that it's uh, the small examples. Because what you know, and I'm just linking it to what Christy said about like well, how I heard a truth and story. Like, isn't it like if you're if you're just in the fact of life, in any given moment, most things are small examples. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like if we strip it back to this moment now, most things look pretty small, unless we're blowing them up to be big. Like you could have blown that up to be big this morning. You know, and I remember, you know, you and I went back in time. That's the sort of thing that when it happened five, ten years ago, well, actually not ten, five, yeah, five, ten years ago, whenever, there's a good chance that we were brilliant at blowing things oh, like that yeah. up into big deals. But when you strip it back to the truth, to the simple truth, it's like, oh, there's, there is a meeting happening at nine, and you are presenting on 17, 18, 19, 27, 28, and 29. That's it. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. Um, but I, you know, because I see that as a, such a huge opportunity for me on a day to remember that, oh, that's the only thing I have to worry about. Like, and I say use worry in the lightest possible sense, which is, where am I now? And that's, that's it. Like anything else out, anything else I'm making up that this means something about what's going to happen next or what's happened before. Like then, then I'm in story. I remember Chrissy in one of the, when we were having a coaching session once and I was talking about something in the past, I can't remember what it was. And Chrissy just went, oh, well. And I remember thinking at the time, what the hell do you mean? Oh, well, that's such a big <laughs> deal. So I said to her, what do, what do you mean? Oh, well, she went, oh, well, like, is it, can you do anything about it? And I was like, no. She went, oh, well, nothing, nothing for you to worry about then. And it was like, I, it didn't, it didn't kind of register for a while, but then it must, it sank in because about six months later, I realized that I was kind of oh-welling again. I was like, oh, well, it had kind of dropped in to that. Oh, like things will happen. I will do things. And sometimes I'm going to do stuff that I'll be like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And then there's other times when I might say or do something and think, oh, gosh, I might prefer to have done or said something different. But it's just, a, oh, well, it's, it's gone. You can just come back to here, which I, I just, I like the, there's a simplicity to it when we keep it to right here, right now, I think. I don't know. I've, I find, I don't know, Christy and Elle, like, this is something that I'm, I'd love to hear from you, but like, I almost get a little, um, not arrogant. It's not arrogance. I don't know what you call it. It's like, I call it cheeky because you, something happens or somebody books and L you and I have spoken about this. Like somebody will contact you and say, Hey, we want to get together on Saturday night or, Hey, can we do this meeting in downtown Boston or, you know, what, whatever it is. And you're like, uh, I don't really want to do that. But you're like, just give it up, surrender it up. And then without doing anything, it like 
nine times out of 10, it doesn't happen. It doesn't inconvenience you. Or if it does happen, something absolutely delightful comes from it. And you're like, ah, okay, cool. Oh, well, (laughs) I was meant to go to that wretched meeting in downtown Boston in the middle of a snowstorm. But it's like, it doesn't matter. Like it, and it's it's so funny because we and we had this um, two weekends ago. We like there was an event and on a Saturday night, and Fanny and I were both like, "Ah, damn, we don't want to do that." And sure enough, you know, like an hour before, we got the text message: "Hey guys, we're canceling tonight. It's all good. See you soon." And we we're like, "Yes, please," but. We could have spent the whole afternoon in our heads about it, trying to figure out a way to get out of it or ruining the fact that we had to show up or we just gave it up and it just kind of took care of itself and the magic kept rolling. And it's like parking is my favorite thing. Like Vanessa and I will be in a, in a, in a park or a, shopping mall or what have you and and we'll be like oh yeah there'll be a perfect parking spot and there always is one it's freaking amazing and it happens every time it's bizarre and this oh well i love the i forgot about the conversation the oh well thing and so it's like the oh well the oh this is what's happening the letting go of resistance, it's all, you know, and we've heard this before. It's all just what is. It's like, yeah, it's just what is. But to me, like, I know there's a lot of people in, in the spiritual world or the the groups that we might hang out in that are all about talking about thinking and thought and all that, which is cool. It's no big deal. That's fine. That's a good conversation to have. But it feels like there's so much more than that. Like there's so much more to feel and to be and to like fall into than that. And like this is one of the the other things that like has been a big illusion buster for me was when I saw like that everything is wisdom. You know, everything. So yeah, that you had to do the slides pure wisdom that you did them pure wisdom pure knowing that 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 you're gonna find a good parking spot or not that's wisdom too you know and if and to me like if you if i would have heard myself talking you know five or eight years ago i would be like what the hell she's talking about wisdom and to me it's really simple like that's the word cottywumple like to use i like to use that word because nobody knows what the heck it means and so it doesn't mean anything to them but it's the same thing like it's it's following i like to call it the tickles of my soul you know because like when you're looking for a parking place you're like oh i'm gonna find one well you you turn left or right or you go around a corner but you're just following the tickles of your soul in a really simple way you know and 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 i used to call it way back before i understood any of this i used to call it following my heart like that's a good thing to call it too and you could also call it following your intuition. There's so many names for this. It's and 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 so wisdom is this big word that some people are like, I don't even know what that means or what it feels like. And it's like you do it every day. You do it every moment of every day. Like the next word that comes out of myself, 
out of my mouth is pure wisdom. That's pure me following the tickles of my soul. Everything we've said, you know, the fact that Billis is nodding his head, that too, that's just, it's all that. Like, it's so simple. We do it every waking moment. And, and if we can realize that even the decisions that look like hard decisions, like no matter which choice we make, like I love the car, the find the parking spot example, because when you're driving around looking for a parking spot, there's so many times where you can choose right or left or straight. You know, you have to, you're constantly like right or left or straight. I don't know. And you don't know where this parking spot is, but something has you turn the wheel one way or the other, but you don't have much <laughs> on it. You're not like, oh God, what if I turn right? And the right answer was left. Like nah. today is going to be done. You know, like, <laughs> but that's not how you feel when you're looking for a parking spot. You're just like, oh, I'll take a right. We'll see where we end up. And, and if there's no spaces there, I'll take a left next time. It's no big deal. But it's like, what if we can go into mm. life with the same feeling that you go into when you're looking for a parking space? No, and you'll eventually find one. You always do. Like, what if we can do that with everything in life and have the same, like, simplicity, f- like, nonchalant feeling and just turn the car wheel, whichever way we turn it? Like, wisdom isn't this big thing where angels start singing from the heavens it's this little thing like finding a parking space like what if everything was as simple as that and that to me is the biggest one of the biggest things i've seen through is realizing it's all as simple as finding the parking space like choosing the right job simple as finding a parking space deciding on a life partner you name it anything big or something to do with your health it's all as simple as finding the parking space we just put more on Mm. it than we need to well, Al, Al and I talk about it being like your internal GPS. You know, it's it's just always on. It's always there. It's, it is what makes you turn right or left or go straight or, and it's just trust the GPS. It's it's cool. You'll find the parking spot. You'll find the right job. Well, I was just thinking, it's like the when you bring it back to that, the perfect unfolding, even when you miss your turn it was the perfect unfolding even when you ignore the gps in a second it's the perfect unfolding like it's the it's the you know and again christy you you've said this to me numerous times it's that like you it's seeing that you that you can't get it wrong like there's no getting it wrong it's just left right straight reverse it's not wrong. It's just there's just this journey, and um, yeah, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that that is something that it takes. Uh, either you can sometimes, I guess, you see through it in an instance. What I know for me, it took time, and it's still taking time to see the 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 deep truth in. You can't get it wrong, and. The reason why that feels so important is because when you know that you can't get it wrong, you stop trying to get it right. And then when you give up on the idea of right, wrong, then everything, there's more ease. There's more ease. And I think, you know, if, if I could, that's, that's probably the biggest shift for me, I think. If someone said, you're doing more or less than you did before, I'd be like, well, sometimes, sometimes not. But in general, it's whatever I'm doing, it's with more ease. It's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an easiness to it. Um, 
whatever it is when you don't have as much on it. Um, and that's where, Christy, I think that's where you were pointing when you said, and you get more done. It's like we, to me, it feels like you get more done because because there's not as much on it. It's just, well, you move from one thing to the next thing and with ease and a bit more grace and uh, and you don't have as much, um, there's not as much grit in the system. I mean, it's like the, the system isn't as clogged up with thinking to, to kind of slow you down. And it feels like the, like all of this, there's like a catch 22 because people could listen, me included, if I was listening to this, you know, five or eight years ago, I would be taking notes and saying, oh, I just have to say, oh, well, more and I'll get more done. <laughs> you know, But it's like, it's, but there's a catch 22 because it's, it's really being okay with anything, you know, and like, I've relaxed more in the last several years than I ever have. And I still sometimes, because I was always the overachiever, the straight A student, the all-star athlete, like I, when I did something, I did it the best. And that part of me is still sometimes in my ears saying, what the hell are you doing? You're not doing nothing. You should, you should be doing something. But it's even the gentleness with that. Like, no, I'm just relaxing. Like the tickle of my soul right now is to lay in bed, you know, and then giving myself to do the chance to do that. And then, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it feels like in the end, more stuff is getting done. But it, but it just is for, for me and for anyone else listening, but there's like, that's not the reason I'm doing it. It's just got to, it's just living. And it feels to me like the only way you can really let this sink into your bones is to experience it for yourself. Like there's, there's no, like, you need to go read this book or study this. There's like, go try it out. Like, and you can start small. You can start with trying to find a parking place and be like, what if I can't get this wrong? What if I can just be happy-go-lucky? And and you could start small, but just go and let yourself like experience what we're talking about in, in real life. And and experience is not in your head. It's like literally like falling into life and, and living. That's the fun part. It's just, you get to go live this, whether you're at work or at home. And people think, oh, but you're in a trailer. You can travel anywhere in the world. You get to practice this all the time. I, I, no, you you don't have to move a muscle. You could sit in the chair you're in right now and do what we're talking about. And you can get up and walk wherever you want. You don't have to travel. You don't have to move your home, you know? And what's nice is so many people have said that about me. Well, the almost a year and a half I spent relatively in one spot. And so many people were like, oh my gosh, that must have been torture. And I was like, no, actually it wasn't. You know, I got to hang out in this little redneck podunk town in Florida with not much going on. <laughs> Al knows he's been there. It's hard to find a restaurant. So there's, there's, there's really not much going on at all. Unless you like to play golf. That's about the only thing they got going on there. But like, <laughs> I was going to say, you, you got to be a golfer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to go to the really country, country club. Um, but yeah, I, so now it's fine because I get to say, no, I sat in this small podunk town that had nothing going on and was as happy as a clam because you don't have to be, you don't have to have the quote freedom to live your life anywhere to do this. You could be a quadriplegic in a wheelchair and like see more than any of the three of us because it's not about getting up and moving and doing and having the freedom to quote go anywhere and do anything it's the freedom of mind is what we're talking about 
But that freedom of mind allows you to get up and go anywhere if that's what you really want to do and allows you to stay in one place if that's what you'd like to. Like, you can't get it wrong. That's the fun part. I loved your word, fearlessness. I think, I think for me, that is the most wonderful, liberating label out there. Because when you, when you know what it feels like, and, and again, you're not thinking about it, you're just feeling it. But that utter sense of fearlessness is, it makes you giddy. So Christy, you've um, hinted at our question about the bumper sticker. So you've kind of, you've mentioned a couple of ones that you think, but you've got to pick what would be, so to round us out, the, the question is, what would be your bumper sticker for life? If you, if you could come, if you could design the ultimate bumper sticker, what would it be? What would it say? Oh man, I thought I had an answer, but now I don't know. <laughs> Take your time. Don't worry. Your wisdom's going to the wisdom. Your wisdom's going to look after you. I know. Well, it's like the first one I thought I because I said it already. It was like, yep. Even this is the perfect unfolding. Like that feels like a cool one. And then there's but there's something even more. Just like if I I want to I put a caveat on this. If everybody could really understand what I mean by this, like really feel it for themselves, and not read it through worldly intellectual eyes, it would be. What if you can't get it wrong? But usually there's a deeper conversation that needs to go along with that. Because people are like, oh no, you can get this wrong for sure. You can get a lot of things wrong. And it's like, yeah, in the intellectual concept, the context, you could intellectually, yes. But from the space that we're talking about, that's the biggest question. What if you couldn't get it wrong? What then? There is no wrong. What if you can't get it wrong? Christy Halverson, bumper sticker for life and the perfect tee up for part two of this conversation when, uh, if you're up for coming back in, because I think that even that sounds like it would be uh, a cool follow on if you're, if you're up for it at some stage. Oh, for sure. Always. Thank you for joining us. It's been, it has been a blast and uh, yeah. everything we were hoping for and more. So, uh, so a lot of gratitude for you to come and hang out with us and this conversation. Uh, it's been really cool. Oh. Uh, Anytime. I'll come back. This was fun. Yeah, please come back. Please come back. Thank you. Well, that wraps up then this episode of Live Into Your Brilliance. And uh, we uh, will look forward to chatting with everybody in uh, the next episode. <laughs>